What's up my regrettable rogues? I'm Chris with Tabletops and Tentacles and this is Die Alone, a solo RPG and game podcast. In this episode I'll be talking about Marching Order, a solo RPG from Crumbling Keep Games. But first, a few notes and updates from the Tabletops and Tentacles headquarters hidden deep in Idaho's underground sea. So zine month is upon us, and I apologize in advance for not getting this out last week like I had planned. Uh, between zine month and some zine month projects and some art deadlines and my new studio buddy Balrog, my new puppy being sick, it has been one heck of a crazy couple weeks here. Um, but I am working to promote as much zine month content as I can on YouTube and Twitter and everything else basically some amazing stuff out there this year it's a really interesting year with Kickstarter deciding to push zine quest to August and all the indie creators kind of taking it upon themselves to do something with zine month anyway but in a way that's a little bit different because some people are eschewing Kickstarter some people are trying itch funding or their own sites for it so it's been a very different vibe from the previous year, um, but it's doing great. I'm seeing some amazing projects, some really cool stuff. Uh, right now, from a solo standpoint, over on Kickstarter, there's a game called Lichdom that looks really cool. It's a solo or two-player journaling RPG about boundless ambition and the perilous journey towards immortality. And essentially, in the game, you are playing a sorcerer traveling towards immortality about hazardous research to find lost knowledge in crumbling tombs and half-buried cities and about overcoming death by finding a way to keep your soul tied to this world before your time runs out so that sounds really interesting that's from adrian san juan um and it's doing killer it's done like 14 grand so far and has about a week left I'm also very interested in Thousand Empty Light, a solo mothership RPG, Psychedelic Xerox Adventure. It is also doing very well. It's done over 16 grand. And this one is a... Uh, this is an adventure set in an underwater tunnel on an uninhabited planet. It looks really fantastic. It's got a really great look to it. It's got this like corporate document vibe, but it also has a lot of like interpretive expectation to how things are laid out um, there's all sorts of caving stuff some little bit of claustrophobia some subnautica and uh, some journaling in there as well which i think is really cool i'm very interested in this game and the graphic design in it in particular looks amazing uh, this is from valley of alfred and it is definitely worth checking out i think it looks amazing there's patches and all sorts of other cool stuff too I'm also itch funding over on itch.io a game called The Unnaturalist, which is a solo journaling RPG where you take on the role of a scientist exploring and documenting a tropical forest. As the research expedition progresses, you must contextualize increasingly unnatural events. The game concludes when the expedition concludes, naturally or otherwise. Do you dare proceed boldly into the shifting unknown? It's got that like great Audubon vibe to it and I think it looks really interesting um, I 
they are itch funding. You can get a copy of it for four bucks and they've doubled their goal so far, but their goal was fairly modest. So I would like to see a lot more people back this because I think it looks awesome. I am also very interested in Whale, which has also doubled its $200 goal over on itch. And it's a rules light solo tabletop role playing game. And it is a journal writing exploration world building game where you play a wayward adventurer lost in a new land and you will be building maps, generating locations, keeping a journal. And I think it looks really neat. Um, the, they're itch funding to pay for the art, um, but you can pick up just the, the, the non-art text version of it to check it out. Uh, it's four bucks to get in on that one as well. I, I'm really torn about the itch fun versus Kickstarter thing because it has a very indie vibe to it and I love that and it's not Kickstarter which is also nice because I feel like I, I honestly feel like we're hitting a point as role-playing game and game designers that there should be a viable alternative to Kickstarter besides just these other little ones that are kind of almost peripheral crowdfunding things. Um, but I love the idea of itch funding and the, the alternative crowdfunding things. But at the same time, their website isn't set up very well for browsing or finding itch funding projects. And they're not really set up for crowdfunding at all. Like they've got the functionality to it, but it's not, it's, it's not as robust as it needs to be to succeed. Um, so I'm really excited about these itch funding projects, but they should, some of these should be making three to ten times what they're making on that site. And it's frustrating to see something look so killer and not get any attention because it's on a little bit of a weirder site than the other ones. So I'm going to be doing some real work to try and find projects that aren't on Kickstarter, despite Kickstarter literally paying my bills for the last couple of months because it's no cons and everything but I really like the idea of other options being out there if GameFound ever gets so that you can submit and run projects on there I may look into doing a project over there and see how it goes but right now they're only open to larger projects that they sort of get in on <laughs> bit of advance warning for this episode of Die Alone, Marching Order does have a little bit of cussing in it and it is used during the discussion of it, so if you want to avoid that kind of thing, have your bleep button ready. But it's not, it's pretty mild. Let's get on with the show. Welcome to Marching Order. So Marching Order is a solo co-op dungeon delve that as they put it, plays like a choose-your-own-adventure-and-darkest-dungeons analog bastard child. You can play on your lonesome or bring some friends together to share in the hilarious misery. So this is a really interesting project. I wasn't sure what to expect going into this. Uh, this was sent to me by Crumbling Keep Games for review, and I had initially planned on doing this a couple weeks ago and kind of got sidetracked and didn't get it to the table until just recently. But I'm really enjoying my plays of Marching Order. So Marching Order comes with two books and a deck of cards when you get it. 
the deck of cards has primarily the rogues that you get to play as well as the enemies you'll face and then there's a few other little uh, side game type things on there for downtime you also get the rogues handbook which is a uh, hundred plus pages of rules and stats and really just how to play the game overall so the Delver's Guide is a 140 pages and contains four adventures in it. And each of those adventures is sort of a uh, choose-your-own-adventure style dungeon delve for the most part with some real tongue-in-cheek humor. Uh, the storyline is pretty slim, like most dungeon dives are. I mean, if it's a dungeon crawl, they're just basically an excuse to get you into the game and start crawling and this does that very admirably first let's talk about the actual play of this game though so there's the two different parts to marching order you are on its surface controlling rogues who are wandering through a dungeon under the orders of their employer you play the rogues but you don't really play the rogues they're kind of almost more of a mechanic than a role-playing aspect to them because you don't like I mean there's really no point in naming them even uh, but you play the rogues that you've hired to go into this dungeon or into this crumbling keep or wherever to find treasure bring it back and hopefully make enough coin to replace the rogues that die for the next adventure uh, maybe buy them a couple extra torches so it's kind of <laughs> so I enjoy this. I think it's a fun conceit. Um, it's funny, as I was going through Marching Order, um, it was reminding me a lot of some aspects of 3 Dice 6, my game that I designed for ZineQuest last year. Um, it's got a lot of that same kind of tongue-in-cheek humor about death, some gallows humor. You don't become as attached to certain personalities as you do kind of the group as a whole. And it, it has the choose-your-own-adventure aspect to the solo play. So I was really interested to dive into this to not only because that's something I really enjoy anyway, but also just to kind of compare and contrast it to my own system. So that's been really interesting so far. So in marching order, you select your team based off of what you can afford. So each of the different archetypes in the book have different prices to them, different values and costs to hire them. And you can do anything from barbarians to cosmic marines in this. There's doctors and alchemists and musketeers. And um, there's a construct that's literally just like a, a wagon with a bunch of uh, like stuff canvas bags on top of it that you can use it's pretty great so the the world that this takes place in is sort of a it's got a very dungeon degenerates vibe to it as far as like the time frame like there's some combustion items there's a cosmic marine there's magic but it all just sort of exists in this funky uh rock bottom world that marching order takes place in so each of the different rogue archetypes also have a set of specific flaws, qualities, and actions that are mostly fairly unique to each of the different archetypes. And I really appreciate that because it really did feel like you were playing very different characters when you were playing the game. And I was kind of surprised by that. I thought it would be a little more generic than it was, but the uh, the different actions and like the the 
and the fact that you have different flaws and qualities that attach to your character as you play is really cool. So on the character sheet as you're setting it up, you roll for your starting quality and flaw, and each of those go over under the bullshit section of the game, and this is, it's kind of unique stuff, like there's um, the qualities for the alchemist, for instance. There's a, a little up the nose, which lets you take a second action or put this on your blade. And you can target an adjacent ally and they, they, and they gain the condition deadly when you do it. And so the, the roles for those are really interesting. And then the flaws are all really fun. It's like alchemy is not an exact art. Target yourself, make a physical attack roll versus your own defense. Or I took too much. Move to the end of the marching order. If already at the end, move to the front. So there's some really fun, interesting things. And as you play, those come into the role during your turn in kind of fun ways occasionally. Um, there's also conditions that you can get, um, such as bolstered or uh, weakened and that kind of thing. You can each of your characters can carry equipment and torches, and you get to pick one additional action that you use. And the interesting thing with each of the characters is that they have one like base action that you can use at any given time, and then you can get additional actions for them to use, but those ones all have cooldown dice attached to them. So when you use that action, you set the dice down next to it to track that particular action and each uh, round that you have the ability to you turn that cooldown dice down by one until that action is available to you again the conditions work the same way like if you're poisoned you're poisoned for four turns so you throw a die on there on the four and each turn that you can adjust it you adjust it down by one until it's you're no longer poisoned and i think it's a really cool way to add different elements to it, both positive and negative, while you're playing the game. It is a little bit of a handful occasionally tracking the cooldown dice for everything going on on the board, because there are a lot of dice out at certain points in the game between your four characters and the enemies that you're poisoning and things. Um, but it's, it's never become so onerous that it's unpleasant, but it is a little bit of a bookkeeping thing. Um, but once you've got your four characters picked, you buy supplies for them with whatever meager amount of coin you have remaining. Um, and make sure you get plenty of torches, uh, which I, I really like the torch mechanic in this. There are just certain rooms that you go into that you have to mark off a notch on your torch. And once you're out of torches, you're in the dark and you have to escape without dying. Um, so make sure you have enough torches. There are also elements in certain rooms that will be like, you can do this, but you have to sacrifice a torch to do it. And so there's some really cool little elements like that. There's all sorts of other stuff. You can get anti-venom and healing potions and very classic fantasy tropey dungeon crawl stuff. Once you've got all of your f characters assembled, and there's a ton to choose from there. I think there's 12 in here that you can play, including wizards and torchbearers and were-rat rogues and all sorts of cool stuff. Um, but the balancing is actually kind of interesting on it because it does come into play once you get into the dungeon. 
because the tunnels in the Dungeons of Marching Order are pretty slim. And for you to march through them, <laughs> the name comes into play more than I had expected with this game. When I got this, I genuinely thought that this was going to be sort of a choose-your-own-adventure type game with some combat. But the combat is definitely front and center as far as this is concerned, and deservedly so because it's a really cool mechanic. But it's just, I don't know why I thought a game named after the combat mechanic wouldn't have as much to do with it as it does. Um, but I was surprised at first, but pleasantly so, because the combat in this is really cool. So you are in a tunnel, and you're basically marching single file down that tunnel. So the order that you have your characters set up comes into play pretty seriously, because there are different things you do when you attack that are affected by where you are in the marching order. So, for instance, uh, with the Alchemist, who is just the... I played the Alchemist, and so, actually, my Alchemist died. But, uh, <laughs> so I just happen to have that sheet here on hand. But the Alchemist has, as a basic attack, they target two creatures in the middle of the enemy marching order. So what that means is there are your four characters in a set order, and then there are four or so enemies coming the other direction towards you. And there's a line right down the middle that neither of them ever cross. And that order of creature and rogue is pretty important into how it plays. So like for the alchemist, they can throw acid at the middle two creatures in the marching order. And those are the two that they get to attack with that particular move. But if you use their other action that I found these mushrooms with the four cooldown dice you can target a creature three to four spaces away from you so not the middle of the marching order but depending on where you are in the marching order you kind of you kind of have to balance that off of what you want to hit and what you want to attack um, and then you make a plus two physical attack roll to their resolve if successful they gain a condition high as fuck so this game is very tongue-in-cheek. It has some very fun, unique techniques and uh, effects to the techniques when you're playing. I really dig this game. So as you're fighting, the creatures also have different things that they do, and they have different targets depending on where you are in the marching order. And your characters can run away, but they have to move to the back of the marching order and then flee in order to do so. So everything you roll for in marching order is a six-sided die. And generally speaking, it's going to get modified one way or another, depending on whether you're poisoned or whether you're particularly skilled at whatever it is you're rolling against. Um, like if you're rolling a physical roll, you add whatever your physical adjustment stat is to it. And then there's a target number, typically. And you're attempting to hit or exceed that target number with that six-sided die. Um, if it doesn't ask for anything, then you just roll a d6 and make any modifiers. And then it typically um, will have a result based off of what you get on it. So it's very simple as far as the dice rolls are concerned. The attack rolls are very similar. Um, when you're fighting something, you target them versus their defense or target them versus their move or whatever, depending on what your particular attack is. 
And so in that case, the target's defense becomes the target number you're trying to meet or exceed. And then anything beyond that is how much damage you actually do to the creature. So, like, for some reason, <laughs> my cell sword was really, really good at rolling exactly the defense number on the creatures he was fighting. So I would hit him, but I wouldn't do any damage to him, <laughs> which was very annoying. I like that it's a very simple process. It's literally just six-sided dice that you're rolling. There are quite a few little dice. I actually have, like, tiny little dice. I think they're, like, I don't know, 10 millimeter or something like that. And I use that to track all of my cooldown stuff because there are quite a few of those once you get into battle and you're facing four creatures that can have conditions and your characters have different action cooldowns and all sorts of different stuff. So I'm probably making this sound a little overwhelming and it's not. It's fairly simple and straightforward. The Delver's Guide tells you what to roll for depending on the room and what choices. When you get into combat, there are only a few choices you can really pick between. So it, it really does stay pretty streamlined for the most part. And one thing I will definitely say for Marching Order is that the book, not only is it conversational and funny as hell, but it does explain the game in a very straightforward, easy to understand fashion, which I'm very happy with. I mean, it is a hundred and some odd pages, but the actual rules are only about 40 of those pages. The rest are references and glossaries and that kind of thing. It's all written very clearly, and there's really no question of how anything works once you've read through. So when you come up against an enemy, you set up the battle lines with your rogues on the left side and the enemies on the right side, and they stay on those two sides. That's how you keep track of how far you can hit, which creatures you can hit, and who goes first. Then you roll a dice to see who goes first between the rogues and the creatures. During the rogues' turn, it's a little more complex than the, than the creatures. You have your conditions and cooldowns. First off, you have to resolve any conditions that are affecting the rogue and reduce that corresponding die by one. So like if you're on fire or poisoned or something like that, that's where you adjust it or take any damage or anything like that. Then you get to take one action. And every once in a while you can do more depending on what you're using and that kind of thing. Uh, so you can take an action, you can move, use an item, focus or escape. Focus lets you lower your um, different dice, your um, cooldown dice. Move lets you move backwards or forwards in the marching order. And obviously use an item, you get to use an item. And then you can only escape if you're the very last one in the marching order. So that's basically all there is to the turn. It's very simple. Um, the cooldown dice stay where they are, even between combats. So if you're poisoned and you come into the next room up against something, you're still poisoned until that's left your system. I really like that layout for this. Um, so you pick an action, you do your thing, and then you roll for bullshit. And this is really fun little extra thing to this. Um, as they put it in the book, the hallmark of a rogue's life is copious amounts of bullshit, either for them or for the enemies they face. At the end of every round, you're going to roll the bullshit dice and see what bullshit may come. So you roll the dice and look at your traits to see if one corresponds with what you rolled. And those are the flaws and qualities that you added when you were making your character or as you're playing the game. 
and if you happen to roll that, that happens, which I think is really fun. It's it adds a little extra element to it. It it screwed me once or twice, but I think it's supposed to. Um, but it's kind of simple. So those are your actions, and you do that for all four of your rogues if they're all alive. Uh, <laughs> you adjust their cooldown. You make an action. You roll for bullshit. Then you move on to the next one, and once all of your rogues have gone, it's the enemy's turn. There's a little simpler. Um, they actually have a collection of actions that you roll to see what they do. Then you follow their instructions. Then you roll their bullshit die as well. So that's a really fun little element to it because each of them really does have different things they do. For instance, the imp, on one to three, they meha! They target a random enemy. The imp makes a physical attack roll versus the creature's defense. And if successful, the target gains the condition poisoned. But if you roll the four to six for that imp, it targets a random ally and the ally gains the condition inspired. So there's some really interesting stuff that it both is based off of that character's actions as well as their bullshit. So on the bullshit with that one, if you roll a six, they actually appear, they bring in an additional imp temporarily. So it's got some really fun, unique stuff to their actions as well. So I don't know if I mentioned it earlier. I don't think I did because I'm a bad podcaster. But when you're establishing the marching order, you're actually laying the cards that come with the game down in the marching order so that you can track them a lot easier. It's not like you have to remember who's standing where. Um, <laughs> I should, probably should have mentioned that. Um, the cards really do have quite a bit to play in this because as you take your turn, you turn them over from one side to the other, one's kind of a gray and the other one's black, so you can tell that they've gone. So it's a really efficient way of knowing where your character is in the marching order and whether they've taken their turn or not. However, I do have one problem with this. The art and graphic design on this, that's fairly big font, nice and easy to read. The art really shows up on it nicely, but the actions of the creatures and their bullshit is nowhere on it. So every time you're fighting something, you have to find them in the uh, Rogue's Handbook and find their reference page and look and see what their actions and stuff are. I'd really, like, I'd really love a tarot-sized card of this that has those added to the bottom. Even if it's a kind of small font, it would be way more convenient for me than digging into the book. But it's it doesn't really affect the gameplay too much. But when you're playing an adventure and you're bouncing between the adventure guide and what page you're going to on the map, and then you've got to bring up the rogue's handbook to find the different creature you're fighting, it gets a little fiddly once you add those with the cooldown dice. And I think that that is really just a design thing that could be streamlined. I may just go in and homebrew a bunch of tarot-sized cards for this or something, and do a slimmed down character sheet that doesn't take up as much space on the table. Because once you do have eight cards, two books, four characters, plus a whole bunch of dice that are on there, it does become a bit of a table hog for something that looks like such a slim game. Um, but again, that's a minor quibble in a game that I really enjoyed. Um, so once you've got combat down, it's real smooth. It goes nice and efficient. You get used to it. You um, There's never anything that really comes up that you're like, oh, I don't know what to do with that. 
Um, and I really dig that part of this because it is a fairly big part of the game. The, um, the Delver's Guide really is just a choice to go into one room, you go into that room, you'll often fight something. And it's very classic dungeon crawl in that respect. I really enjoyed it. Um, the, what little story there is to each of the adventures is genuinely amusing for the most part. And it does tell just enough of a story that you're like, ah, oh, cool, I want to play a, another one. So there are four adventures in the Delver's Guide that are each a reasonable size for just a simple sit down and play session. I love that. They're not something where you've got to stop halfway through because it's a three hour epic adventure. It's about an hour once you're set up, you play the game, and then you can move on to the next adventure the next time around. There are only four in there, which is a little detrimental to replayability, except those 12 rogues really do make a difference as far as if you really enjoy the combat and want to just dive in and play that same mission again, you'll, yeah, you'll know who's coming, whatever. But the play styles and the actions and the bullshit options for each of the different characters are so radically different that you can have a completely different play experience. And I really dig that. Um, a few of these like Four Against Darkness and a few of them like that, they have randomized tables that you're like randomly generating dungeons as you go. And I think something like that for Marching Order, which I think is coming eventually here, would be awesome. I would love something like that. Honestly, I would love a card-based system for it where you're actually generating the dungeon via card and then you're pulling out creatures randomly as well or something like that. I don't know. I, I it's This is another one of those games where I immediately was like, oh my gosh, I love this game. I want to hack it. <laughs> which is... Not to say that the game itself is lacking, it's just that when I really enjoy something, I want to, like, dive all the way in for it. Um, and I think Marching Order is definitely along that line. Um, one of the nice things about it right now is they actually have a Kickstarter going for a second Delve book. And it's doing great. It funded in, like, 10 minutes. It's at almost 8000 bucks, and it's got 22 days left as the time of filming here. And the cool thing is you can get the base game in this as well. So one of the things I love about this is his writing style in the game itself. Like, their, their intro for the Master of the Onyx Tower is great. It's, Grunheld slams a frothing pitcher of ale onto the table. The northerner is either a happy drunk or a mean drunk, and there's never any telling which you might get. Looks like you're lucking out tonight, which is good. You don't have much coin left to spend, and your mug is almost empty. So it's it's really interesting. So the, the expansion that's coming up here is for the Onyx Tower, and a strange tower has appeared on the outskirts of Rot Bottom. A citizens have gone missing. You don't care about any of that. You're just paid to go figure it out. So you go into this adventure and try and find out what happened to and what this weird tower is and everything. And I love that they're coming out with more adventures for this. It's as a solo player, especially something like this that I enjoyed playing as much as I did. It's always nice to know that there's more content coming. Um, you can also get the core set 
during the Kickstarter, which is great because I think it's sold out on their website. And I don't think this would be as pleasurable to thumb through and play without the physical copy. This would be one that I would like hardcore print and play, um, <laughs> which means I would get even more into the, the hacking and everything that I already have. But I really enjoyed Marching Order. I liked my time with it. I played three of the four Delves in the book, and they're kind of a chained adventure. So you you get to kind of do a campaign-style story with your characters. Um, the setup is great because if all of your rogues die, you just hire new rogues to send in. So while there may not be character development per se, there are elements of that. Um, there's a downtime between adventures where you can go and you can gamble in rot bottom or pick up new supplies or hire additional rogues. And all of that is very peripheral to the main game for me because I enjoy the combat part of it so much more than the rest of it. But it's there and I really like it. It's uh, like Shadows of Brimstone. It's one of those things where I'm like, you know, I don't use the the let's go back to town thing very often when I'm playing, but when I do, I'm really glad it's there. And <laughs> for this game, it fits that same slot there. Like there's like games you can gamble with at the at the saloon and different things like that that you can do. And honestly, I the system is great. I really really enjoy Marching Order's system of like the different actions and the different conditions and how it affects the gameplay depending on which rogues you bring with you to the point that I would love to even see a like some randomized city events and stuff that you could play in between and just really dive into this funky little world of rock bottom it's definitely appeals to the same area of OSR love that I have for like Dungeon Crawl Classics and uh, Dungeon Degenerates. Um, but it has that kind of same like punk rock feel to it to a certain extent. There's space marines and magicians and alchemists all delving together in the dungeon fighting giant were rats. I, it's hard to go wrong with that, frankly. Um, <laughs> so I really recommend Marching Order. I think it's really fun. I, I honestly like just sitting here talking about it I want to pull it back out and play again and I did not think that was going to be the case when I first started playing it I thought this was going to be another one of those games where I'm like okay this was fun this was enjoyable but I I might see what else there is to play next kind of thing and instead I'm like oh I've got to finish this last adventure in here so that I'm done before the Master of the Onyx Tower comes out you have to like the battle I love the battle system because it's fairly straightforward. There's some real silliness to it, but there's also a little bit of strategy and puzzle making to how your characters are lined up and how their powers can be best used. And it's really elegant in that respect, and I really appreciate that. So, so that's Marching Order. Um, as always, thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this. I will leave links below or over on our website at tabletopsandtentacles.com if you'd like to find links to the Kickstarter for this or to the webpage where you can get the PDF and digital copies of it. I am trying to step up my recording on this, but my, my sick puppy has 
as always delayed things a little bit but i'm going to try and get a few more of these out during the month of february in particular because there are a couple of solo games that are funding for zine month that i really dig and i want to shout out as much as i can um, if you are interested in zine month make sure you check out the youtube channel um, i'm doing little short like four or five minute shout out videos for as many projects as i can find time to do um, if you'd like to support the channel and you haven't backed any of our Kickstarters, um, 3 Dice 6 has finally been approved for printing. Um, Drive Through RPG is running crazy slow on turnaround right now, and my proof for the last book just barely came in on Friday, and it looks great. It's my little flip book uh, adventure zine for 3 Dice 6, and so you can now order all of the books that you need for three dice six to play you can get the delve zine you can get the classic uh the you can get the core book or you can get the zine core in digital or physical format so i'm super excited about that um it's nice to finally have that done um we also did a project with squid ink games called escape sequence xeno which is a solo it's kind of more of a card game than it is an RPG, but you uh, it's very alien inspired. My wife and I designed it, and you're playing a scientist escaping from a, um, an alien in a base, and you use just a standard deck of cards to lay the base out, but you can also get the custom deck, um, and that'll be available really soon as well. We're just waiting for the final proof on the playing card box for that. Um, I also have a project live right now for Zine Month called Those Wretched Kids, which is based off of The Wretched, um, The Wretched Alone System from uh, Luther Room, and I'm really enjoying it. It's You're playing a Scooby-Doo villain who is trying to uh, vanquish those wretched kids, accomplish your plan, and also continue to scare people away with the crazy legend that you've concocted. So it's based entirely off of that system of the wretched where you're storytelling and journaling, but you're reflecting on your life as a supervillain. Uh, it's it's a fun, simple game. Uh, Squid Ink is doing the publishing and fulfillment for it for me, but I did all the art and writing and stuff, and that is live right now for another two weeks. And then I have another game coming out at the very end of the month that isn't solo at all, but is a pure silly tribute to uh, my high school years of doodling in corners and margins of things and Aliens versus Knights in Shining Armor. So I got a lot of stuff going on. Um, I'm also doing artwork for Shiver Gothic, which is the sequel to Shiver, the RPG, and that's coming live on March 1st, I believe. And we have some other stuff through Gallant Night Games that I'm working on, too, that I'm really excited about. So uh, thanks for listening, as always. Thank you so much to the patrons over on Patreon for making this podcast exist and letting it exist and being so tolerant with the foibles of my weird life. And thanks for listening, everyone. Remember, we all die alone. <laughs>